Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. Hey everyone, welcome to this introductory episode of 15 to Life, the podcast that takes you from life in prison to life after prison. So my name is Tito Guerrero. I am the host. I will have others on this show, but I figured to start off, I do a quick introductory to why 15 to Life. Why why is this podcast titled that? Who am I? What gives me the right to talk about 15 to life and kind of what this podcast is going to be all about. So um, I'm going to jump right in by saying this kind of a disclaimer. Um, As you may listen to these podcasts and listen to the different conversations that you're going to hear on these podcasts, I want you all to keep one thing very deep in mind. Um... A lot of the people you're going to listen to are ex-felons, people who probably did a significant amount of time and have done probably some things that you just can't fathom or imagine or maybe you can, but you just could never see yourself doing those things. And maybe that's why you're listening, to kind of hear from um, a person who has done its point of view and kind of hear about some people being remorseful maybe some not but i have to say my disclaimer is this is as i speak about my experiences and i can only really you know say this about me and not anyone else who might be on this show but i cannot express enough how i feel that i wish what had happened that got me in prison and got me a 15 year to life sentence I wish it never had happened, um, only because it resulted in the life of someone I consider to be like a brother, one of my best friends, and um, I cannot change that. Um, I never will be able to change that. Nothing I do in this lifetime will ever make up for what happened, what I did, my carelessness, my lack of... um, planning around making sure that the people around me and the people that I cared for were safe. So everything I do, um, obviously not everything, but many of the things that I do are are centered around trying to make a difference in people's lives. And um, that's what drives me is that I can't change anything that I've done. I can work with people to, to... make their life better and make their situation better and and if i can talk them off of a ledge where they might be falling into a pit like i did um makes it worthwhile so that's my disclaimer sorry it went on a lot longer than i thought it would um so like i said um i ended up getting convicted of 15 to life i want to give you a little um pre-incarceration story of me um i have both my parents to this day, they're still together, over 50 years together. Great job, Mom and Dad. Um, my dad was one of the hardest working people, probably the hardest working 
people I've ever known in my life. Um, everything he did was around providing for his family and making a better life, not just for himself, my mother, my sister, and myself, but literally his entire family in Peru and everywhere else. Um, he is the epitome of the American dream, came up here young, um, saved up, and had a dream and just kept pushing. Um, so with that being said, it's not that I didn't have parents. I, I wasn't in a gang. Um, I had opportunities and my parents would do whatever they had to do to make sure I had those opportunities, whether they be scholastic or otherwise. So I can't say that um, I was pushed into some crazy life. So I don't have the traditional criminal background. I was a straight-A student growing up until I got into high school. And I kind of used my parents' um, focus on me just being that straight-A student as an excuse to why I started slacking off. In retrospect, I don't think so. I think I just felt like I... I was in a new world and I was going to do something new and I totally let everything just start slipping off over the course of a few years in high school. Needless to say, out of high school, into junior college and doing things, hanging out, um, going from, you know, 7th, 8th, ninth, even part of 10th grade being a nerdy kid to wanting to be the life of the party, um, just hanging around the wrong elements. Um, I tell people all the time, and this isn't an exaggeration, I, I hung around everything from dope dealers, and when I say that, I mean not the small-time corner guys, like bigger-time guys, pimps, prostitutes, gang members, um, people that would do robberies and everything else. I, I always was around that element. Yet, I was a guy who worked full-time. I worked for my father six days a week, two nights. I would go in and work late with him. But I'd be out drinking and partying and hanging out with all the other guys. Um, I hurt my back working at UPS. Started selling uh, drugs because I couldn't work and I couldn't afford my bills and I didn't want to move back in with my parents. Did that for a little bit of time. Um, stopped. Went back to work with my dad and um, kept hanging around that element um, because I sold drugs for a little while and someone actually set me up to try to rob me and subsequently I had a bullet graze the back of my head and um, go into my best friend's mouth who was also my roommate took out a couple of his teeth and cut his tongue in half and he lived but it made me swear something that made sense at the time and even for the couple of years afterwards and now I look back and go yeah I just took it the absolute wrong way which was I swore I would ne never let anyone hurt anyone I cared about again and I went out as soon as I turned 21 and started buying guns so I owned a bunch of guns legally and I still hung out and did all this stuff and this kid that I used to take care of when he was little, you know, was growing up. He was in high school now and, you know, about to graduate and everything and my house was a hangout house. People would come and hang out all the time and 
drinking and playing around with one of my guns and there was a whole bunch of other stuff that was going on before that that had me paranoid um a roommate basically that uh was selling drugs and actually had a shootout in my house and i was kicking him out the night everything happened um but i was paranoid so i had a gun on me and I was walking back in the house and I was trying to talk to my buddy and the music was up loud because we had music and there were some girls there and we were drinking and everything else and he said something to me I couldn't hear him I was walking in I was pulling the gun out of my pocket on my waistband and I was going to go put it in the kitchen and he said it again and I made a motion like you do when you shrug your shoulders and you lift your hands up and I said what and when I did that with the gun in my hand, it went off, and I shot my best friend in the head. Um, one shot, when the gun went off, it flew out of my hand. I um, wasn't expecting it to go off, um, and I can say that at that point in time, everything went into slow motion, just like in a movie, and I mean, that's how I remember it, everything just froze and I could see him and I remember I was looking up at the ceiling thinking great I just shot a hole in my ceiling um and as I was looking up his body started to drop and as it dropped I could see before he even hit the ground that there was a hole behind his ear so I dropped to the floor I grabbed his head in my hands and put his head in my lap and I put my thumb over the hole and I told him to keep breathing and like right at that minute everything went back to normal speed people were screaming and I yelled at someone to call an ambulance and I, ironically there was I guess a cop that was actually coming around the corner and someone flagged him down so I look up and there's a cop standing in my doorway and I told him hey I did it I look around I, I see the gun sitting on the floor I go hey there's a gun I did it get an ambulance so he gets the ambulance when they get there there's some more cops they pull me off to the side and you know tell me go clean up I wash my hands and everything ask me what happened I tell them go to the police station needless to say it went from a horrible accident to i was being questioned was i fighting were we arguing why did i shoot him you know did he piss me off all kinds of things and um i basically um didn't see the light a day so to speak you know I, i was incarcerated from that point on at the age of 24 and March of 1997 and um, there'll be more talks about exactly how I felt and what I went through at that time but needless to say um, I spent two years in county jail Alameda County Jail Santa Rita back and forth in court back and forth in court um, a big misconception is people watch a lot of TV and see a lot of movies and think the trials and everything happen overnight and you either go to jail or you don't and then you're back out in five minutes that's not how it happens especially with a serious case they usually will put time off put it off put it off put it off and um that's what we did uh we put it off for two years 
And then I went to trial, and the trial was crazy. Um, I mean, you can imagine you're on trial for killing your best friend, and there's questions being asked, people bringing up things, um, some things that if nothing had happened, no one would look at something twice but because something did happen they they go through everything with a fine tooth comb and you just start thinking about every little mistake you ever did and and how it's all coming to a culmination with 12 people basically deciding your life what's going to happen and um yeah it was it was rough but um like i said there'll be more podcasts where we talk about some of this stuff more in depth but Needless to say, shortly after two years, um, I was convicted of second-degree murder. Um, they were hung, which means the jury could not come to a, a unanimous decision on a gun enhancement. So they convicted me of second-degree murder, but without using a weapon in the course of a felony. So I was convicted of shooting and killing someone without a gun, basically. Um I was sentenced to 15 years to life and sent to California State Prison. Um, getting a state prison, have a bunch of talks on those. That's that's going to be a lot of these podcasts talking about things that happen on the inside and how they relate to the outside and so on. But needless to say, um, 15 years to life, got into prison, um, and that was in 1999, April of 99. And then um, you go through San Quentin. That was my reception center. So you you go through a reception center. There's a few of them throughout California. San Quentin's the one I went through. And yes, it is exactly like in the movies. It's very ominous when you pull up. Um, as they say, shit gets real. Um, <clears throat> I was then uh, put through classification. They test you for everything. They put you through psychological tests and aptitude tests and everything else. And I was classified as a level three inmate. Um, the maximum level is a level four. I just came in under level four because I was working and had some education and everything else. So that let my points drop just below so I didn't have to go to one of the really hardcore prisons. And I ended up going directly to CSP, California State Prison, Solano, in Vacaville, California, where I spent the next 10 years of my life. In 2001, my case got overturned. Um, And basically what that means is you have a conditional or an unconditional um, overturning of a case when your case is overturned. Conditional means the district attorney has the option to retry the case, which in my case they did. So that means I went back out to court. So I went back to Santa Rita, Alameda County Jail, and went back and forth for almost seven months um, going to court and putting in motions and requesting bail and so many other things, playing the game. And they eventually um, came and offered me a deal for 14 years, which was involuntary manslaughter. The maximum on involuntary manslaughter at the time was four years which you can do halftime on because it's considered a misdemeanor felony that they don't consider it violent because it's basically saying that the death was an accident. But they threw on a gun enhancement, which I technically didn't get convicted of in trial, but in a plea agreement, they can, 
they can throw it on there, and the maximum on a gun enhancement at the time was 10 years. So they gave me 10 years for the gun, 4 years for the involuntary, which is 14, and the gun enhancement makes it a violent felony, which means you have to do 85% of your time. Basically, all that math boils down to I went in March 18th, 1997, and I ended up doing just shy of 12 years. I paroled out February 25th of 2009. I went in at 24 years old. When I was released, I was 36. So at the time, I had spent one-third of my life behind bars. That's where 15 to life comes from. See, when you get convicted of a life sentence, whether you have a determinant or indeterminate, so if you have a number in front of your life, most people don't look at it as you have a release date. Um, matter of fact, I'll say nobody does until they start going to board and, and get some kind of good news. I am ecstatic and happy to say there are many life-term inmates um, that did have a number in front and so we, we always say it's 15 with a kickstand, the kickstand being the L or the life, right? So I know many people that had a kickstand on their number, and they are now out. Um, I will say this. If you look up the statistics, um, life-term inmates, and really anyone who does pretty much over 10 years plus in prison, the odds of them ever going back are slim to none. Whereas your short-termers, I hate to say it, uh, they do have a tendency to go back. And there's a number of reasons, which these podcasts will talk about, why people return, why the recidivism rate is so high, although it is going down. And there's a number of reasons, and mind you, I'll love to have open discussions and have other people come on and some other people moderate. Um, I myself could not get a job getting out of prison and I did a lot of things inside to give myself um, an advantage over others things like I got certified as a contact lens examiner I was an optician certified uh, at Solano State Prison we had one of the largest optical labs in the country doing all the medical frames for Northern California um, not to mention a, a number of other doctors offices Knew how to run all the machines, could do anything, honestly, probably better than someone at Lens Lab or, or anywhere else. Um, any, any optical lab, I mean. Um, but because of my conviction, um, I was not afforded the opportunity to work anywhere. And coming out uh, the beginning of 2009, uh, right at the, the top of the recession... People that would have hired me, um, some big name um, places, uh, basically said we just laid people off. So I ended up going to a nonprofit where I currently still work, and I love what I do because now I'm part of the machine that helps people just like me who are down on their luck and get back into the workforce and become self sufficient again. And one of the biggest reasons why people return to prison is because they don't have an opportunity um we as a society shun those that have um gotten in trouble yet we don't hold people in big for-profits accountable we don't hold a number of other people accountable because of 
what they've been doing or the money that they have. Um, and then when they do do something wrong, they might get a slap on the wrist and they can continue to live the lifestyle that they've lived. So I don't want to get too deep into it. I just wanted this to be a quick intro. So let me get back to the topic at hand. My name is Tito Guerrero. I'm about to be 47 years old next month. I spent 12 years of my life incarcerated for the choices I made, for the people I hung around, for the lifestyle I was trying to live, not looking at the people I could potentially hurt by living the way I did. And that includes my other friends and family that weren't into all the things I was into and my family having to deal with me being incarcerated for 12 years. I mean, I can only imagine what they went through and what they still go through thinking about where I might be today if I hadn't gone to prison and if I had the gumption I have had when I got out, how much further I could be along in my life. I'm blessed to be married to a beautiful woman, smart woman, and have a beautiful daughter uh, who's only three and a half years old now. But I can't help but think what what might have been if I had my head on my shoulders 20-something years ago. I've, I've been out of prison now, going on 11 years, um, and I'm just now getting around to really sharing my story on on a broader basis i look forward to hearing questions and comments and i'll take the good and the bad because i want this to be a mechanism to let people know that regardless of what you did in the past regardless of what's going on in your life today you can still have a future that is whatever you want it to be The bigger it is, the harder it's going to be to get. And if nothing else, if no one else, I want each and every person whose ears are receiving this now to know, I believe in you and I know you can do it. It's not going to be easy, but anything that's worth it is not easy. You've now heard what got me 15 to life. If you continue to listen... You'll know how that changed me. My personality is the same. I I will say that. I'm still Tito. The same Tito I was back in 1997. The difference is my choices. My thought process. What I do and how I do it. I was always a caring person. I always worried about other people. My problem was is that... I worried about how they needed to feel sometimes even if it was wrong and how I wanted to look even if it was wrong. So, let me ask you to do one thing before I sign off. Close your eyes for a moment and just think about when you saw the icon for this podcast, when you saw the name, what made you click and listen? I wish I could see all those bubbles over your heads right now of what, what that was. And let me tell you, 
it's going to be exciting to see what's in my bubble and those that we bring on this show. I thank you for listening. I encourage you to click on the next one. Please drop a comment, send an email, let me know what you would like to hear about. But trust me, if you continue to listen, you'll hear it all.